Hi, I'm Greg. This is Take It EV Podcast. Welcome to the episode 38. Um, Take It EV is a podcast about electric cars, their sustainability and sustainable lifestyle. In today's discussion, we're going to have a conversation with Quinton Wilson, who's a motoring journalist here in Britain. I don't want to delay this anymore, but I would like to hear thank from all my patrons who support this um, endeavour. And if you enjoy this conversation, please don't forget to subscribe, hit the notification bell, do all that stuff. And also, uh, check out the stuff in the description. We've got merch and some other cool things. And um, lastly, if you can, if you're on Twitter, follow me at TakeItEV, where all the cool conversation happens in between the episodes. Now, on with the show. Uh, well, welcome to Take It EV podcast. Uh, I'm sure, you know, people know you, but can you just for people overseas, can you just remind people who you are and why uh, <laughs> why we're talking? <laughs> okay, I'm uh, Quentin Wilson, a motoring journalist and broadcaster who's been campaigning for electric cars for probably 12, 13 years and was driving them back in the day in 2009, 2010, when they were completely miserable uh, little things. <laughs> Okay, uh, and you've obviously, yeah, like you said, you've been involved in uh, motoring journalism for for a very long time. Um, you, you mentioned that you, you've been involved in the EVs. You know, I think the earliest I've seen you was was it a uh, Mitsubishi IMF um, or similar. Um, I think I've seen a YouTube video where you were uh, you were reviewing it. Um, uh, what, what can you talk about? Like. Because obviously you've you've been involved in in uh, uh, in motoring journalism way before before the the sort of the early EVs, uh, you know, on this side of two thousands. Can you uh, tell us like what attracted you to EVs? Like what you know, there's a there's a lot of people who are car people, but they've kind of been resisting it for a very long time, and you've been kind of an early adopter. So yeah, the 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 moment, and I can clearly clearly remember it. Greg was uh, driving down Sunset Boulevard in LA, filming for Top Gear. I presented that program for fifteen years next to Clarkson, um, and it was in GM's fabled EV1, and I was one of the first UK journalists, if not the first UK journalist, to drive it. And GM lent it to us, and and um, I was a little bit skeptical, like everybody else, um, but. It was a moment where I just thought, my goodness, this is fast, this is quiet, this is futuristic, this is this is pretty, um, and it had everything, and, and and the whole crew were bowled over by it as well. And then we drew up, or I drew up to the traffic lights, um, having lost the, the filming car um, in the traffic, and there was a guy in a Volvo T5 um, next to me, and he looked over me, he was smug with his Oakley sunglasses, and, and just kind of scorned. And then the lights changed and I, I, I nailed it and it just flew. And I'd never sort of <laughs> seen that or felt that sort of crazy acceleration uh, before. Uh, and of course, he was just toast. And I, I thought, well, this is it. This is the future. And I, I recorded a piece of the camera uh, uh, not long after that um, saying, you know, one day we'll be driving cars like this. And, and, and here we are um, in, you know, 20 years later. I think that was 97, 98. Um, and it, it's all come true. The fact that GM crushed all those EV1s, which is now a, a, a matter of history, and, 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 you know, they didn't want to sell them to people or lease them or continue the leases that people had on them, and they literally took them all away. If you, if you ever want to watch the um, Who Killed the Electric Car, it's a really fascinating film and, and tells this story, and it shows you that back then GM knew that what they'd created accidentally was better than the cars they were making or would make for the next 20 years so they wanted them gone um so it's a really really kind of symbolic piece of cinema that you look there and you think wow and and then the hydrogen industry got involved and they persuaded the Californian Air Resources Board to to go with hydrogen rather than electrification and and the rest is history so that was my my damascene moment greg <laughs> why, why why do you think yeah i i, I... I, I had one of the episodes in the past where I, I talked about as a as a teenager or or young man, I was watching. I think the, there was a program called Beyond Two Thousands, which was an Australian program, and they were reviewing all sorts of future technologies. I don't know what what would be the equivalent in the UK, uh, but the um, uh, one of the things that they were saying, you know, in in early nineteen 
90s is that hydrogen is going to be the future we're all going to be driving cars that just produce water so uh, it, it was as a sort of byproduct of, of driving and i yeah um i do i do wonder what you know why companies like gm would be afraid of of uh of evs uh, you know it, it, i mean to us nowadays it sounds but silly that they did, did that but what was, what was your feeling at the time why did they do it well, it's a disruptive technology. And if you're a, a large car, car manufacturer with a global footprint and you've got all these factories making engines and this high, you know, this completely hydrocarbon dominated business plan, which will stretch, you know, for 20 years into the future, to then suddenly to have your engineers telling you, whoa, this is a great car. We need to completely change direction and we need to make these and, and you know, we'll be the market leader. The old old guard in, in GM would, would not have liked that. And in a culture in America where obviously the, the internal combustion engine and, and cheap gasoline then uh, was such a driver, it would have been, you know, when you think about it, it would be completely disruptive for, for, for GM uh, in all its markets. So I guess, you know, if we're practical businessmen, that would have been a, a step too far. But um, they were just ahead of the game, absolutely massively ahead of the game. Um, and I think probably even if they produced it, it would have been really difficult for them. But they should have pioneered it and carried on and, 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 and you know, been on that hill, that, that, that moral high ground that said that, you know, we're a, a combustion car manufacturer, but we're also looking at alternative technologies. And here's one we've, we've, we've made that, that, that has worked. And instead of having all those, those wonderful kind of plaudits and, 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 and laurel leaves, they have been kind of vilified as as the the company that killed the electric car, and it's so sad because all it cost them a billion quid, Greg, that car, you know, really huge, huge amount of of money back then. It was Titanic, and they just swept it away because of a a board of directors who were just old school, and yeah. and you still see that now. I mean, there are lots of car makers out there. Let's 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 make no mistake about it. Who really don't want electrification, and they're doing it simply because of the government targets. Um, but if you talk to them candidly, they want to carry on building diesels. You know, they've got all these factories and all this investment and it's technology they know where they don't know about batteries and battery packs and range and BMS and, 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 and cooling and, and thermal runaway. They're only just learning that now. So yeah. they're finding this really, really tricky. And making margins on electric cars isn't as easy because obviously with, with combustion cars, they know how the business works and they know they can make sometimes... 20, 30% on an SUV. Um, so, you know, they're making all the encouraging noises, but there are certainly people in in, in boards of, of big blue chip car companies who have said to me, no, this isn't the future. In fact, one, one guy who I shall not mention, I'll spare his blushes, and it's a UK car manufacturer. He said to me on many, many occasions, look, nobody wants electric cars. They really, really don't. Who wants an electric Range Rover? Well, you know, lots of people actually. Uh, look at I, the Tesla um, Model Y. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And ID fours and all these other big SUVs yeah. that are electric. Uh, you know, Audi, uh, qu- um, e-tron, what, yeah. e-tron, and you know, I, I was, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just yeah, people just want them. Like the, I think Model Y actually sold better, and, uh, sells better now than Model Three. Yeah, because it's bigger. I've, so I've ordered one because it's so great, and you put it next to a Range Rover, and you think actually, you know, this is better. Because it's got more space inside, and it's faster, and it's quieter, and it'll cost you so much less, and it won't depreciate. And and I think the takeaway from all this, Greg, is that consumers who all the car makers thought didn't want this technology, we know they they now do. The vast majority of, of, of people, if they could afford it, would give up their combustion car and have an electric car. Um, Indeed. And, yes. and, and that's good. And it's happened with such speed and pace over the last three or four years, while people like you and me have been talking about this, we've seen such an exponential rise in sales of electric cars that it's only being kind of halted by availability. You know, Elon Musk says he may have to stop taking orders because he, he can't he can't fulfill the, 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 the demand. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, given all this, you know, the... the um... This is one of the challenges that we have. But what, what do you think are the sort of other challenges in the uh, the fast sort of B, uh, BEF transition? And, and uh, uh, you know, obviously people want them, but do you think there's any other uh, reasons why we're struggling to, to, to make this transition? Obviously, if, if companies like GM have, uh, uh, you know, 
kept on producing cars like EV1, uh, we would have been way ahead of the curve already. Like we would have been, you know, this would this this whole discussion wouldn't probably happened. Uh, we have already been driving uh, BEVs, you know, ten years ago. But what do you think is the is still a major challenge now? It's infrastructure, really, and cost. Those are the, thing, the two barriers. We've we've replaced range anxiety with charging anxiety. And we all want to know where that charger is and when we get there, will it work? Um, and and, and th- then there's the cost of, of EVs. I mean, they are more expensive in terms of upfront cost. We now know that over, say, four years, they're significantly less than combustion cars to own because of the low depreciation and the lack of maintenance and, 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 and the cost of electricity. So the, the problem for me, and I'm uh, some of your, your listeners should know that I'm I founded a campaign called Fair Charge, which is to increase the understanding of, of EVs and to keep charging costs down and to hold the government's feet to the fire to make sure they, they produce a, a decent infrastructure. But the, the big problem for me is that we now have a situation, and I'm sure this is the same in other countries, where the electric car is effectively a middle class thing because middle class people can afford a 50 grand Tesla um, and, and a, a 35 grand, 40 grand Leaf. But the the fifteen thousand pound or the the twenty thousand pound electric car is a way off, and I'm, I'm I'm not including all those little cars you buy in China because I don't think they would pass the the crash tests here, um, and I don't think we need to have lots of, of of cheap electric cars from China. We need to build our own. So the problem here is that um, you you you've got the haves and the have-nots, and I think that's a real problem. And I want to make sure that. You know, zero emission motoring is something that everybody can have. So we need to to pressure the government to 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 look into this, and they won't be able to build electric cars, and neither will the car makers. But what we should look at is maybe there is some sort of loan, interest free loan system, as they have in, in Scotland, where you, you can you can be helped to buy an electric car, and and, and with the rising residual prices of them, this isn't an asset that depreciates. So you could probably yeah. use that. That, that, that profit on the asset over time to subsidize some sort of loan thing. But this is really, really important. Otherwise, we'll have a class division when it comes to electric cars, and that helps nobody. So we've got to do that. I'm also campaigning in, in, in the UK. We have this ridiculous situation where if you charge your car on a public charge, you have to pay 20% VAT yeah. compared to 5% if you're charging at home. Now, this is a, a an old uh, piece of uh, tax legislation that was around when electric cars were just a twinkle in Elon Musk's eyes. So this needs changing, but getting the Treasury in the UK to change is like pushing the Albert Memorial. You know, it takes a long time, but we're on it. And we've got the, the Treasury Mandarin scratching their, their chins and saying, hmm, really? OK. But, and I mean, it's a battle I will win. But, but things like that, they, they disincentivize people from making the shift to, to electric cars. So, you know, certainly in the UK, we've got, wide adoption you drive down any motorway and and there are just so so many cars and and i used to count teslas on the way to school with my kids and you know we we get into double figures now you couldn't do that because you'd, you'd you'd be looking at so many cars you'd crash so yeah. that that adoption has been really incredibly incredibly high and uh it's what nearly 20 percent of the market now but it's it's still only 1.2 1.3 percent of the total global market in the uk so we've still got a lot of work to do yeah i i, I sometimes say to people that uh, the reason you see so many model threes is because people want them uh, they can lease them very cheaply and when they order it today they can get it in three months whereas if you go to any car any other car manufacturer you're going to wait 12 plus months uh yeah i every time i said I, I, I currently drive a kia e-niro every time i go to the garage to do anything um and i listen to the salesman the first thing that they say to people, there's people going through the doors and, and asking, first thing they say, they want an electric car. And he says, but, you know, we can't deliver it in 12 months, but you can have this brilliant hybrid. And I wonder if, if car manufacturers uh, made a mistake, deliberate or not, and didn't prepare themselves for the older demand. And Tesla's just eating their breakfast now, uh, or their lunch, you know, I think it's breakfast because it's early. <laughs> Pardon the, the, uh, 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 the uh, not the pun, the creative uh, 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 phrase there. But the, um, uh, but uh, I'm glad that somebody like yourself, you know, with a lot of experience basically in the industry pushes this because uh, I, I, I wish there was more 
you know, journalists, motoring journalists actually being as proactive as yourself. Um, but um, do you think there's the, um, so you've, you've been reporting on cars, you know, as your main job in life for a very long time, uh, but has there been anything bugging you uh, as a thing that, you know, isn't done by other people who should have been working towards this goal? Uh, as part of their life, as a sort of the journalist life, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the the Fair Charge UK, but is there anything else, you know, that journalists could do now? Um, you know, we see a lot of what I'm trying to allude to is there's a lot of negativity in press because obviously it sells. It sells. Do you think they're doing as a favor, or is that, or is, is it a? Are those criticisms fair, or is it just, uh, you know, uh, uh, is it hindering the the uh, adoption? I think there's a lot of negativity, um, and more so than there was when I was driving around in my little little Imiev and Citroen C0 and, and, and Zoe and Leaf. They kind of smiled indulgently and, and said, well, he's a bit mad, isn't he? Um, and, and I would get invited on radio shows and things ostensibly to talk about electric cars, and then you'd find out you were there just so they could take the mickey out of you. And, and, and this, this man from Top Gear who, who loved all these fast cars has suddenly become a tree hugger and eating muesli for breakfast and wearing open-toed sandals. So I was the kind of, you know, the butt of ridicule for, for, for quite a while. And I think the question is a good one, that there is a lot that, 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 that the general press could do, and particularly the motoring press, although they have raised their game quite recently. But it's clickbait, isn't it, Greg, in the sense that it's much better to write a story that says that we're going to run out of lithium and cobalt and nobody's going to be able to build batteries and things like that than to say... You know, you know, electric cars are great and they're the future and we should all buy one. That kind of apocalyptic narrative in, 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 in a lot of presses is what, what sells, um, you know, ads and newspapers and, 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 and news sites. Um, so it's a great shame. I think there's also another problem is that not enough people in the motoring press and the general media have driven an electric car or owned an electric car. Once you you have that Damascene moment, and you'll remember it from the first time you drove an electric car, you just think this is it. There is no turning back. I will never buy another combustion car again unless it's maybe a classic or something. Um, and I think there are lots of people who like to think they're commentators but have not done as I've done, which is probably seventy to 100,000 miles in a battery-only car. That's a lot of charging. That's a lot of hanging around. That's a lot of working out your range and stuff like that. But once you've done it, you have a set of experiences that entitles you to be able to talk really knowledgeably on the subject. And unless you've done that, you fall into all the, 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 the traps of, you know, this is no good and the batteries don't last and you can't use them in the rain and you know, all the batteries are going to go into landfill and they catch fire. And this long litany of absolute moonshine that is being propagated by people who just don't want change. And, you know, you take the diesel out of their cold, dead hands. Um, and I, I think, you know, we could all, as, as journalists and opinion formers, do more to get rid of all these 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 urban myths and misconceptions and, and downright crap, really. Yeah, I think, you know, speaking of Top Gear, like people should do something exciting like that, but about fast or, or fun when it comes to driving electric cars. I think that will sell better than negativity that uh, people are kind of chasing. And I, I'm personally kind of annoyed with the uh, the young, you know, creators on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, these days, they, they test drive a car for 15 minutes and then they present it as if they owned it for a while and it's and it's, it's just predictable and kind of boring or they go to the other extreme where they complain about electric cars and i wish there was there was you know the good old uh, journalism done when it comes to electric cars that's my personal view obviously but i was just wondering whether you agree with that i think it's interesting because it, you would think that there would be an electric car show um and and you know tomorrow's cars or cars of the future or something like that. And I pitched this to loads of broadcasters. And the problem is a lot of them just don't drive at all. And they're interested in, in dating shows and antiques and gardening and, 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 and sort of the usual, you know, predictable televisual fare. And nobody really wants to do um, an electric car show when you would have thought that this would be really, really fascinating to a large, you know, congregation of people. Yeah. But that's television, and television has always been like that. It, it's always a bit behind the curve. But I think the fact that that, that programme doesn't exist is, is, is really symbolic of, 
or the fact that the media isn't interested and it should be yeah yeah i i, I mean we we have obviously the fully charged show which that's the way to go these days it seems like you, you have to create your own show and produce it yourself which is obviously much yeah i mean fully charged should be on broadcast uh, uh terrestrial satellite television the fact Indeed. that it has to be on youtube um with such meteoric success and a million a million followers it's kind of testament to what's wrong. You would have thought someone would have snapped Robert up and said, right, let's give you, give you a proper show, but they haven't. And I think that's, that's really, really telling. So we could, as a society, really start to understand. And look, it's, it, it's not about you should drive an electric car because it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. The benefits of electric cars and, and the, the following electrification are just huge in the, yeah. in the sense that air quality in towns, um, uh, energy security, lower energy costs. You drive more gently, more more kind of in a, in, in a considered way to save energy. But those batteries in those electric cars will then spawn other batteries that will power ships and light aviation and, and static energy storage. And that means that we can transition from a hydrocarbon economy and a hydrocarbon polluting fossil fuel world to this world of of renewable energy. So the electric car is the first step in that journey, Greg. And it's so important. And I, I campaign a lot in, in Parliament and I talk to MPs and things and you tell them this and they kind of, oh, really, you know. And I think we, we really, really should be looking at this as a, a historic generational change where we can stop burning stuff and stop polluting the atmosphere and global warming and air quality and really start to generate clean, cheap, renewable power. I mean, renewables are the cheapest energy on earth. Why aren't we doing more of this? Why is, I won't mention his name, you know, a certain gardening presenter saying, you know, I don't want, you know, onshore wind farms, they're ugly and they're horrible. It's not about that. It's about energy security and making sure that what's happened over the last five months and, and, and Ukraine and, and, and Putin and oil and gas never happens again. That's the thing. So that's why electric cars are just so important. It's not a, a badge of rank and little green number plates carve you out as somebody who's got a social conscience. It's about making sure we we are no longer dependent on so much oil and gas. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I fully agree. I, uh, I, I was kind of jokingly saying around the sort of the Brexit vote uh, that one of the biggest independences that we should be backing if any uh, is, is the energy independence and obviously uh, you know people who are supporting that whole movement were uh, that they are very very big uh, supporters of oil and gas and all that stuff but you know it's uh, to me that's ironic that when we talk about independence we we never talk about the um, the energy dependency on Russia and China and you know other uh, big monolithic countries that you know uh, Covid, that kind of showed us that the uh, that those dependencies are not good, and then obviously the the Russia's invasion of Ukraine kind of uh, uh, just put a tick underneath that, and now we're kind of scrambling to 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 get away from that. I fully agree. Um, the uh, one one of the the, the the sort of the other positive thing that I that I've seen as part of the uh, uh, the the you know the early adopters, and now I think we're we're no longer in the early adoption phase, but there's a resurgence of 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 kind of uh, car clubs where people meet up you know just to talk about evs and obviously you go to to a lot of uh, uh you know you go to conferences not conferences the uh, what you would call like the fully charged show and and the um what's the other one in uh, in um jaguar um fuck no it's not a factory um i can't remember what it's called it's, it's in gaiden um uh, the name kind of escaped me but the um do you see that yourself that there's there's more interest in like me, people meeting up and just discussing electric cars in person on local basis do you ever go to any any meetups uh, where you are yeah i mean there's there's a great big ev community now yeah um, and they all they all join up and there's tesla owners clubs and leaf owners clubs and there's one the one you're talking about in um in gaden is is an annual um ev show <laughs> in the car park of the British Motor Museum, and it's fantastic. And you've got all this eclectic bunch of people who aren't there to for bragging rights. They're just there to talk about their EVs and and about the range and about the battery life and all this sort of stuff. And and it's 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 not just Teslas; it's everything. And 
I was there, I think, the year before last, and there was a man with a Renault Fluence. I mean, yes, when I have remember. you ever seen a Renault Fluence, Greg? <laughs> yeah, you know? I think it's, and, it's called EV Festival. That's the name. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, or Electric Festival, and, something and like the, that. <laughs> for, your, for your listeners, uh, the Fluence was a car made by Renault with a replaceable battery, wasn't it? And you yes, you'd yeah. take the battery out and put another one in. Um, it didn't catch on, but the very fact that this guy was there proudly showing off this piece of, you know, EV motoring history was was just great. I was I was I was gobsmacked by it. So yes, yeah. there is there is this, this growing community, and if you look on on the forums and and on YouTube, it's it's huge. What what we we we've got to be very careful is that that doesn't become a fringe thing, and that there are lots of ordinary car drivers who go from their Fiestas and and Astras and and courses and 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 buy you know electric cars and and enjoy them and have the same levels of passion and enthusiasm it's getting them to drive them that's the big big thing because once you've driven one and and i would say 90% of the population has yet to do that you get it no amount of sales pitch no amount of passionate evangelism from people like you and me does the same as getting your backside in the car and just feeling that you are in a, a brave new world of, of modern technology and that you're not going to turn back. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, there's so many people that I know who are very, very stubborn petrol heads who re refuse to to even drive a passengers with me in the car because they know once they kind of feel it, you know, they uh, they, 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 they want to create that that firewall between the um, uh, uh, their own their own uh, world and the, the the new reality but so the you know the world is or the, the world's history is full of uh, great uh, uh, inventions that people didn't end up adopting because one way or the other politics or you know or um vested interests or yeah uh, uh, kind of one and i i'm still you know I, i've i'm 40 for almost and i've i've i've, I've grew and i'm an engineer sort of by trade so I, the cynicism in me is kind of you know in like i've just it's an it's part of my experience in life and in uh, you know in work life um and i'm still worried that there's going to be a, a chance that politicians or or the industry is going to kind of uh, screw it up for the lack of better term um are you worried that this is going to happen like you know that people will adopt something like hydrogen or anything else just to kind of slow it down or to stay and have their own you know and uh, fossil burning toys um are you are you worried about that happening or or you do you think we will succeed in this instance i think we've passed that point now whereas you know there are still people out there who are hanging on to the, the hydrogen dream but as an engineer you'll know that the cost of hydrogen is so so much the the co2 it produces is so much if you talk about green hydrogen and carbon capture i mean i don't think that's been proved at all and the energy required to make hydrogen compared to electricity it, what is it four times yep so for passenger cars it just it doesn't begin i mean i, I drove the honda clarity um and and the, the ford did a, a hydrogen focus um and look they were lovely and they filled up really 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 quickly but the cost i mean the toyota mirai is that eighty thousand? um I think and, it's sixteen hundred. Yeah, but still, what, it's like, a huge amount of money. And yes, yeah. uh, uh, the fact that there isn't a major motor manufacturer now that's actually pursuing a, a, a credible hydrogen policy is, I think, indicative of the fact that they've all got this and said, "Look, this isn't this isn't the technology. It might be for heavy goods vehicles or marine or stuff like that, but not 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 for passenger cars." Um, the, my real anxiety is is that politicians will roll back these green targets which were set broadly by Boris Johnson now he's he's a troubled a troubled prime minister uh, and he may not last the course um and there is this brexit scrutiny group of backbench um right-wing MPs who who don't believe in climate change and who don't believe that we should be doing this and this cost to society of 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 all these green policies is 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 a price not worth paying so they will, at the first opportunity, try and unpick all this legislation. Now, if you take away that 2030 uh, moratorium on sales of, of new cars and vans and the 20, 2035 on hybrids, then the manufacturer has no reason to, 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 to stop building combustion cars and they can carry on and they can stretch it to 2040, 2050, 2060. 
and and we're knackered, you know, in that great yeah. beatific vision of this world without pollution and without without diesels rattling away, chucking out particulates, that could carry on indefinitely. And that's my biggest fear. So when I'm I'm in the House of Commons talking to MPs uh, uh, with my fair charge hat on, you know, it's it's really important. And we've got about, I think, 35 cross-party MPs and, and people in the House of Lords who are supporting us. Um, and, and we need to get more to be able to say, if ever it comes to that vote in the House, um, we can say, no, we're not going to let that one through. Because what we're talking about is our health and the health of our children and the health of their children. And it is, as I keep saying, this generational opportunity for energy transition away from polluting fossil fuels. Uh, yeah, I agree. And and also, I think it would be worth mentioning, too, if you speak to MPs about what happened in Australia just recently with their vote. You know, uh, it it's not a pub. Nobody puts it that way in the um, in a public media. But people that I listen to who are who are, uh, you know, there in, in Australia have kind of clearly stated that the um, one of the sort of the back bench winners or, or not. I don't know what would be the, the 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 poetic way to put it, but the uh, but people kind of uh, put their money on on the climate change and the fact that the uh, the leaders there were very much against you know um, or were trying to stifle the uh, the progress uh, and and backing coal and all that uh, nasty stuff in there and and they lost massively. Uh, so um, I think you know we need this wave to kind of carry on and and. Uh, come over to the UK and speaking of the uh, like uh, as an engineer I always remind people that the hydrogen cars are still electric cars with a tiny uh, uh, yeah. you know, range range extending hydrogen fuel cell thingy uh, yeah uh, and so we still need a battery and we still need, a, need an electric car um, you know how big you're going to make the fuel uh, cell and the hydrogen tank can vary and I agree with you, like the, the physics says no about hydrogen, like the hydrogen production is very expensive uh, for a reason. Um, you know, it's just the physical property of it and we can't change physics. That's just the law of nature. Uh, so I don't know why people are still thinking that they can somehow make a, uh, um, by putting money into that industry, they can make a progress there because I don't think it's possible physically. Somebody would have won a Nobel Prize if they if they were able to figure something out. Um, but we, sh we should try. I mean, look, I'm a great believer in, 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 in parallel technologies. And if there is, um, you know, a, a hydrogen fuel cell that is small and that, 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 that can produce, you know, effectively green hydrogen that can power things, then let's keep going, you know. Don't don't shut 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 the, the the door on that one. I mean, we might have said that about batteries, you know, ten fifteen years ago that they were too expensive, they didn't have enough power, and they didn't have enough range, which was broadly true. And it's only because people have been throwing billions of of, of dollars and pounds at it that we've got the the the, the twenty one seventy battery that is you know the staple of all electric cars pioneered by Tesla and the forty six eighty now, which is also a you know a fantastic battery with with, with greater range and better cooling. So, you know, these have come out from research and development and investment. Now, that might happen with hydrogen. So we shouldn't close the door. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Like, the, we, we need, you know, hydrogen obviously wins when it comes to the um, the energy density. Um, that's still a problem that, again, physics, you know, is just one of those things where you, as an engineer, when you look at it, you need to have uh, uh, areas where that's the only way you can either store the energy or, or, or transmit it. Speaking of, of but I, I, I just have a feeling that, you know, the going back to the previous question that I had about other people kind of stifling the progress because of whatever reasons, you know, I was, I was gobsmacked basically when I was younger that nobody uh, came up with a, a, a parallel hybrid, essentially, uh, or serial hybrid, sorry, um, much earlier, and didn't push for it. You know, again, having if you imagine a hydrogen car, but instead of the the fuel cell, you just have a small uh, electric uh, a, a petrol motor that just drives a generator at certain RPMs, and then you know, um, what is it? The uh, is it the uh, um, the volt? Uh, which is the Vauxhall Ampera in the UK. Yeah. Um, that, that in my opinion, should have happened 10, 20 years ago. Um, and all cars should be like that now. That would have been a, a sort of, you know, a, a logical thing to do. But again, industry somehow has been resisting this. And we, we now have the self-charging hybrids and all that sort of uh, nonsense, which is essentially that. Um, but in my opinion, about 20 years too late. Um, 
and I'm still still worried that this you know somebody will try to tweak it and and make it make the adoption uh, not happened in time and you know by 2030. Um, I had a Vauxhall Ampera. It was great. Okay. I ran it for a year. It was it was fantastic. It used to get 195 miles to the gallon. And you know, it was it was really, really, really a clever, clever car. And yeah. there's another instance of GM sort of because they just killed it off. Um yeah. and you just think, why? Because it, it works so well. But again, it 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 was a car that they really didn't want to sell. It it's what what we call now compliance cars, cars that yes. were made because it got their CO2 down and it, it, it got them credits and the EU um, were, 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 were happier if they did that, but they didn't really want to make these cars. The irony is that when they did make them, they made them really well. And here's another thing, uh, that all those Gen Gen 1 electric cars, so going right back to the little Imievs and even the G-Wizzes <coughs> and, 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 and the 24 kilowatt Leafs, those batteries have lasted they really, really have. And the re you talked to many in the battery recycling industry and the, the, they, they say, well, you know, when the batteries come, we'll recycle them. And they're still waiting. And, you know, you're finding now that the lithium ion battery pack, certainly in, in lots of Teslas, is, an, is outlasting the chassis of the car. And, and that's a really interesting thing that they over-engineered these batteries in, in the early days to make sure we didn't have failure rates and we didn't have thermal runaway. And, and what's happened is that if... if you know, somebody says, says to me, what about all these batteries are going to go to landfill? And you, you look at them and you say, are you nuts? You know, look on, on, on eBay and the price of a, a 24 kilowatt battery from a crashed leaf is, is probably five grand. And then if you want a, a secondhand battery pack for a, a Tesla Model 3, it's 10 grand because these things still work and they can be put into other applications and, and, and stuff like that. So that's really interesting that, you know, Everybody predicted that you would need a new battery every three or four years. So it was even the even the industry guides, glasses guides and, and caps. I remember reading them and, and, and the, the, this new wave of electric cars. They shook their heads glumly and they said, well, they're going to depreciate like like Steinways thrown from tower blocks because um, of the batteries. Well, mate, you were wrong and you were seriously wrong because here we are 10 years later and these cars are still happily running around. All people want is more yeah. range, and and Robert Llewellyn's got this twenty four kilowatt leaf, and he's put a new, uh, a new battery pack in it, and and gets you know one hundred and fifty, one hundred and seventy five. Um, so look, you know, it's another a piece of misinformation and urban nonsense that just you know has been robustly disproved. Yeah, yeah, you're you're quite right. Like I would love to be able to if if people were throwing away quote unquote the batteries from twenty four thirty kilowatt hour leafs um, after two three years. I would gladly buy one and put it on the wall yeah. behind my house to have the storage. Like, you know. Yeah, completely. <laughs> uh, and, and that's every... what's going to happen. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get energy storage produced from second life batteries. Yeah. Um, but, but, and, and... but if indeed it was so many of them were thrown out, you could just, like you say, go on eBay and buy one for a couple of grand and it would be easy. It isn't. You know, it's no. just it's just not <laughs> uh, because there's so much demand and the, the prices obviously go up. Um, when it comes to the uh, the fire charge uh, uh, that you mentioned before, is that something that other people can kind of help you with? Or, is, you know, I'm just trying to see if there's any anything we can do, like, you know, uh, uh, the community at large, basically. Or is that yeah, something... Look anybody who is interested in, in in electric cars and electrification and and cleaning our air um sign up to fair charge so our website is um www.faircharge.co.uk and we're on twitter at fair charge uk um and just join us um we, we we've got a supporters page we can tell you how to write your mp um and trust me because i did a petrol campaign for 11 years fair fuel which saved 120 billion um, on VAT and, and fuel duty rises. So we can have a really, really, really great effect. The more letters that go to the M MPs, the more they realize that you know they should be thinking about electrification. And if their constituents want more charges, they want cheaper rates, they want more transparency and visibility, then they'll they'll listen. So it's faircharge.co.uk and at fairchargeuk on Twitter. And and of course the because uh, that's one one of the when I mentioned the um, uh, that campaign to somebody recently they asked me if it has anything to do with the fair fuel campaign and obviously it doesn't. Uh, no, know, I mean I think it's separate. really good for your your listeners to understand what 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 happened. So I, I did that for 
uh, 11 years. So we started in, what was it, 2010, um, campaigning for, for, for a moratorium on fuel duty because Alistair Darling, the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, wanted to have fuel duty fixed to um, uh, the cost of living so every budget it would go up by a certain percentage. And I said at the time, and this was David Cameron was Prime Minister, um, this is going to really decimate working class families and, and people who have to use cars. And he luckily, you know, he agreed with me and, and he chopped a penny off um, fuel duty and said, we are the party that, that, that reduces fuel duty. Um, and every budget, we would we would bombard the Treasury and 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 MPs with with emails saying, "Look, don't put up up duty in this this budget." And it worked. But um, all the time, I was I was driving electric cars as well as combustion cars because I thought, you know, look, if I'm if I'm the car man and the petrol man, I need to look at this new technology, and it worked. Uh, and I got to a stage when I bought a Tesla Model Three. A couple of years ago, when I thought we we actually don't need to be promoting petrol and subsidising petrol, so I I walked away from fair fair fuel after such a long time um, because it wasn't the right thing to do. It, you know, it, 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 you can't promote both. So, um, and I'm glad I did. And then I started up fair charge. So, for everybody's um, uh, peace of mind, I no longer have anything to do with fair fuel, uh, which has become really quite quite right wing and very anti EV and very anti climate change. And I want nothing more to do with it. Fair enough. And obviously the, uh, the you know, the, the way they kind of behave is a, is a, is a sign of them being desperate, basically not having anything else to, to, to cling on to. And thank yeah. you for explaining it. Cause, cause it, it, when I, when I said that I'm going to talk to you, that's one of the main sort of things that I've heard from people that they would like to, you know, hear more about and, you know, um, Okay, well, maybe I should do another interview about it because um, it's very important that 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 it, it's clear that I I no longer want subsidies for fossil fuels, um, and it's about uh, it's about this new technology which works, and that's the point that w- we can now drive if you can afford them. We can we can drive electric cars and get three hundred and twenty miles to one charge. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously no, you know, you, you've got experience in in talking to politicians about it which is obviously very much appreciated and i'm happy that you're on sort of quote unquote on our side of things uh you know well, having good. somebody with experience looked, is good it, it was a very conscious decision that um i thought this is important we have to do this because if i don't there aren't really many other voices there's just robert and and robert and i collected our mitsubishi imevs at exactly the same time in birmingham back in 2010 and and went our different ways but we've kind of come come back together and and he's done an awful lot of work and so have I and it's sad that you know we're, we're we're probably the only two journalists in the UK over that decade who had the 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 kind of clout and and the resolve to be able to promote this and 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 to to to, to change people's opinions I think that's that's also very telling yeah yeah um g- g- going back to batteries is the uh it, is british vault something you're involved in as well yeah british vault came to me and said look um we're making a battery factory up in up in Blythe, and and we'd like you to to advise us on evs um and and what the consumer wants when it comes to electric cars and and particularly batteries and range and cost and charging times and all that sort of thing so I do consultancy work for them and, and, and advise them on, on, you know, what is the best, best kind of combination of, of battery density um, and, and, and range and, and how long people want, want to, charge, to charge for and what's, what's acceptable and what isn't. And they're really great because uh, <clears throat> they allow me into the kind of inner world of battery tech. And I go to lots of labs and things and talk to um, electrochemical engineers and things and I was down at Imperial College in London the other day and then up at the Warwick Manufacturing Group at Warwick University, seeing this new technology and how they really are developing these batteries at, at a huge, huge speed. And, and literally the technology is changing day by day. Um, and that's why they're building this factory up in, in Northumberland in four stages, because if you built it all at once, the technology would change so fast that the, 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 the bit you built and on the machines you bought would be redundant so they're doing that and and the idea is to and i think they're probably world leading at this stage because they really are you know pushing the boundaries and looking at 
silicon anodes and and and, and reducing cobalt and and LFP and and all these alternative materials that aren't critical minerals that 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 we can get easily and we're not going to run out of um, and 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 learning how to manage heat um, and manage cooling and and also make the battery part of the car in the sense that you know it it it, it can be a, a part of the chassis rather than being this this platform you just put at the bottom or or worse still being part of a a car that was actually designed for a combustion engine. And you just put the batteries in as an afterthought. And then they're also working on recycling, how you make a battery much easier to recycle. Because at the moment, we put batteries through shredders and it gets out all the critical minerals in the form of black mass. But it'd be much easier if, if the battery just came to pieces to be recycled, you know, virtually instantly with a few turns of a screwdriver. And those are the things they're, they're pioneering. And I think pioneering is the right word because, you know, the lithium-ion battery has been around for quite a while but broadly speaking it hasn't really changed that much and it's only recently that we've got people like tesla going for the 4680 which is a a larger fatter battery with with with, with greater density uh that you don't need so much of i mean there are 4600 cylindrical batteries in a tesla model 3 in in the battery pack this is a 2170 battery so i know all this stuff about batteries and I've I've talked to all these electrochemists and things um, because I've I've had access to that, and I think that's really important because people like me, car journalists, we know about engines, and you know most people know about engines, but very few of us know about batteries, and that education is really really important. And being allowed behind the magic curtain to talk to all these these scientists about batteries, I think is really really good, and it helps everybody understand. So part of my role in British World is also educating consumers about batteries and what to expect and the fact that you know quite soon we will have solid state batteries maybe five seven years that have seven eight hundred mile ranges and that will last a million miles um and, and that technology is close enough to touch um and i think that's that, that that's really good um and it's different from being aligned to a car manufacturer because if you are aligned to one particular car manufacturer, it makes it quite difficult. You can't really be independent. But with batteries, it's different. And batteries are, they're going to be great for everybody. And if we can, we can start designing batteries, big, solid state, um, standalone, static energy batteries that can power businesses, towns, cities, then that's great. And that's exactly what Musk is doing. And he's done it in California and he's done it in Australia, where, you know, he has these big, big, battery energy storage units which which stop all the power outages and eventually you'll be able to run that on renewable electricity on solar um and it will you know be able to to, to power whole whole towns and communities so socially i think that 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 battery piece is really really important and i'm i'm, I'm really privileged that they've allowed me to as a journalist to to, to listen to all these chemists and and hear what they're doing and obviously, when you talk to politicians and other people, that kind of gives you an insight from the other perspective. You can't just say, I've heard this and that, but you, you know, you have some backing, which is always great. Um, and, and to tell politicians that, look, this is about highly paid, highly skilled jobs in a new industry that we can create. We can no longer carry on building combustion engines, wearing them out and then building them back again. I mean, it, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. And all that friction, all that oil and all that smoke and all that carbon, it's, it's got to go. So understanding that, that the batteries, that without energy batteries, there will be no energy transition. And you've got to get politicians to understand that supporting companies like, like British Volt, and there's going to be another battery factory, hopefully in Coventry um, and, and, and North Volt and things like that, it's, it's, it, it's very, very good for society at large. And you've got to take this long-term view beyond a, an electoral cycle and say that this is for us and it's for our children and their children and the generation after that. And we, if we don't do it, we will be unforgivably remiss, having you know wasted so much opportunities in, in the past with North Sea oil and North Sea gas, and we'd felt so comfortable about it. We really didn't develop this, this independent energy strategy. Well, now is the time to do that. So, you know, I'm saying that, as I, as I mentioned early on, that, 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 you know, the battery is, is going to be critically important to our, our future and our, our reindustrialization. Here, here. <laughs> I, 
I um, as a bonus question because I, I we're running uh, out of time shortly. The uh, my father-in-law has contributed a question uh, for me, and uh, he basically said, uh, if you could uh, buy an electric car for Jeremy Clarkson, which electric car would you buy for him? Um. Okay. Well, look. I know it's it a, it's a be... sort of tongue-in-cheek question, but you know. <laughs> Not that he'd ever have one. I remember I would show him my Mitsubishi and he would look at me and, and say, you've, you've been reading The Guardian, haven't you? You know, you've, <laughs> you've gone all soft and green on me and, you know, with nothing but contempt. And then that contempt would, would translate into the items they did on Top Gear where, you remember, they, they tested the Tesla Roadster and yeah. ragged it around the track and then, then it, it supposedly ran out of juice and they had to push it into the into the hangar and and that was that was nonsense that was just for the cameras so i would i would say to clarkson get a model model s plaid tesla model s plaid which does 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds and then tell me that electric cars aren't exciting that electric cars are for tree huggers and electric cars are no good so that's the question you know <laughs> that's the car i'd i'd, I'd, I'd offer him Okay, I, I still I still remember the uh, the the episode where he he raved about Model X and had lawyers in the back. I don't know if you've watched that, but the uh, I thought that was quite well, yeah funny. yeah yeah. That was because Elon Musk got very very cross with him, and that's another story that I probably can't tell you on air. But he didn't he didn't like it at all. Uh, quite rightly sure so, <laughs> I have to add. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, f- f- you know, I, I always said to people that Top Gear is is a or with Clarkson was a was a kind of show entertainment show more than a car show basically and you know anybody else who uh, thought they got a good uh, good information out of it, it should be rethinking their choices of of, of information sources. Um, uh, I, that's all the questions that I have uh, for you. And you know, again, I'm conscious of time, so thank- not at all. And a pleasure, Greg. I'm Quinter Wilson, and this is Take It EV Podcast. If you're interested in electric cars, you need to listen.